guys, this is Ashley and Russ, and this is She Wolf Alchemy. Today we're talking about the big D, depression. And I said yes. that really excited. <laughs> you did. You did. You was very excited for that. Almost um, like how commercials do it. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly how the commercials do. Let's talk about depression. And then sunshines <laughs> and ponies start coming out. But yeah, so we are talking about depression today. We're talking about high functioning depression, especially. Uh, but when we're talking about depression, we're talking about that persistent feeling of loneliness, loss of interest. You know, we are talking about those physical symptoms, but also those internal symptoms as well. That loss of appetite, that inability to sleep, or maybe we're sleeping too much struggling with just doing daily things that we normally do. So yeah, depression overall, in general. Ashley, so have you ever struggled with depression? Have I ever? That is a personal question, Russ. No. Um, yes. <laughs> no, yeah. On this podcast, we talked about <laughs> everything right. else. Everything else. Bear my soul here. No, yeah, I have. And it's kind of, it's newer for me to even be able to admit that because I know at the time it was hard for me to call it that. Mm -hmm. um, just because, I don't know, I was like, it's like, no, that's, especially I guess being a social worker too. Mm -hmm. And always, and, and, and my understanding of mental health at the time being kind of more of the extreme side of things, I guess, because this is what, used to, what I'm used to seeing and working with and things. So it's like, what? I'm... <laughs> I'm just things just aren't I just and I was lit it's funny to me now like looking especially like knowing the definition for real and like looking at and and like the way that I was describing how I felt mm -hmm. <laughs> like I just have nothing to look forward to nothing excited me nothing and I just couldn't figure out what it was and I was like well maybe it's because I spent so much time in college and I had goals then, and now I have no goals I don't know <laughs> Where does one get goals? Like I just couldn't and like be mo. I just wasn't. And I remember a friend of mine even saying, like I was, I like, like called someone who like didn't live in my city. It was like an old friend, you know, one of them, one of them little safe little nooks. Mm -hmm. People like, that you even if you say something, who gonna know? You don't know right. people I know anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, those people you can just kind of, you know, and I just dumped like bared my soul. And he was like, it, that sounds like depression. And I was like, no, <laughs> you know what you're talking about. Do you take a psychology class and you know some shit? No, I'm just, <laughs> no, but, um, but yeah. I mean, like my daddy, anytime <laughs> I bring up a very valid concern. Right. Right. But yeah, I just, yeah. So yeah i have but yeah it was hard for me to name it because i felt like stuff was it was like when you know stuff was good it should have yeah. been good i should have been happy i don't have any i shouldn't have anything to complain about that type of thing yeah i think that is sometimes the hard part of it too when it's like but i should be happy got a job got a place to stay bills are okay i'm, I'm managing things should be good i know we're going to talk about this a little bit later but also when you're in a relationship and you're like eh, no they're great why am I? I should be good. It's fine. That's not what's happening here. And sometimes um, your brain don't care. Sometimes your brain literally just does not care. It's still like, yeah, but we said now. Mm -hmm. um, I know I've talked about this on a couple episodes. I definitely have struggled with depression. Um, since I was a teenager, I struggled with depression. I think back then, though, I definitely did not recognize as depression because also just, you know, unfortunately, in those times, you know, you like, I'm sad. And parents would be like, I pay all your bills. You got no reason to be sad. And then they walk away. You're like, okay. So, so I'm not sad. Or, you know, you'll say, I'm depressed. And they'd be like, you, you, you got no, I got real problems. Hey, you got no reason to be, and then you're like, hey, well, I guess not. And then also, you know, you tell friends and, you know, we didn't have the same knowledge about mental health as teenagers do now the generation z's uh -huh. that know all the words all the terminologies they use it all the time um but you know back then we didn't so i think definitely when i was a teen it was just like i'm moody mm -hmm. sometimes i'm okay and then sometimes i i isolate in in, in the last weeks and and then it was just i'm moody 
And then, of course, you know, as time goes on, recognizing that it was depression. And I think I kind of got comfortable being able to admit that to myself when I was like in my early 20s. But I will say something that's a consistent thing for me, um, even now, is when I'm having like a depressive episode at that beginning, trying to talk myself out of it. Just being like, mm-hmm. it's fine. No, no, I'm just tired because, you know, sleeping eight hours makes you tired. So, of course, I'm going to still be tired and sleep more, you know, like, and I try to convince myself out of it. And then eventually, as time goes on, I'm like, all right, we know what's happening here. Where are our coping skills? Where are our mechanisms? Have we grounded? And, you know, kind of just start in that cycle all over again. I think it's an important point too, Mitch, and I do think for a lot of women of color, kind of like you said, it's almost like... I feel like sometimes we're kind of taught like we don't really get to have that type of depression. It's kind of like, at least like for me, I think for a long time, I had this idea like, yeah, you're a black woman. It's going to be tough. This, this is what it is to be a black woman. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't feel uh, comfortable being vocal about it mm-hmm. and talking about it because it was just like, yeah, no, this is, you know, especially when, um, if you grew up, especially when you grow up with that mentality of like, I'm supposed to be superwoman, I'm supposed to not be happy about it. And this is just life. Um, and then having that realization of like, no, mm-hmm. no longer finding joy in things that you do and feeling like your own autopilot is not supposed to be life. That's not normal. That's not living. Yeah. Or I think, do you think also people kind of confuse it with like, oh, I guess this is being a grown up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So for sure. Life. Even I know for a lot of my clients, I love mentioning fun and just seeing like people be like, what are you fun? As if like, it's this foreign, strange, like, what do you mean? Do I enjoy it? Like, <laughs> I ask them, you know, like, well, do you mm-hmm. enjoy that? Do you it's like so many people don't even consider that like Mm -hmm. i enjoying this do i enjoy things just in general it's Mm -hmm. amazing how people can slip into i'm in my 30s what do you mean (laughs) this is serious time this is not time to be enjoying stuff (laughs) i know man you're still supposed to have joy that's still right for you it's like but life is hard i mean it is but you know some of us it's hard and we have a good time. It's like, <laughs> what? How do you have fun without money? <laughs> Asking for a friend. Question. Hold on, wait. No, someone can, if someone can provide that answer below, that would be great. Uh. <laughs> know how you make podcasts with your friends. <laughs> First, you decide that you're entertaining. No one has to agree. No one has to agree. It's fine. It's fine. You get... Uh. A mic. Decide <laughs> what opinions people really need to hear that they did not ask for. Um, yeah, no, that's just that's just how we got through it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that goes back into uh, the topic of like high functioning depression because I think a lot of times because we have that mindset like, oh, this is just being an adult. And we think of depression as like this most severe kind, like you can't get out of bed, crying spells nonstop. This just might be adulthood. And so then we just go through these waves and you go through them and you go through them and you go through them to either have a crisis, a breaking point, or, you know, both, a midlife crisis. You just up and leave everything and decide to change your life regardless of how it affects your loved ones. I think we have to have like more of a conversation of that because people think because you're able to like still go on and do the things, do your duties that like, ah, well, I can't really be that depressed because I'm still doing stuff. And yeah, look, you can. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. different levels to this, but it does not mean that your, the level you're experiencing should not be something to address. Mm-hmm. And even if you can't, or you're dragging, or you're what, you're not lazy. That's mm-hmm. the, like, that is such a, I mean, I've heard it even said in my own family where it's like, such and such says she's depressed. She ain't depressed. She's just lazy. She ain't a job. She ain't do this. She ain't do that. Or 
this is this is you know yeah something needs to be done but not those things not lazy it's the pre- like it's as if i guess for so long and especially for black people black women it's not it's like it didn't exist <laughs> depression just did not exist just that's all like you know to where it's like you not you guys know you couldn't say it, you couldn't be it it wasn't even something talked about there's no way there was there's no <laughs> It is very much within recent years that people have been able to acknowledge that. But I feel like it was very much a like, like just it's as if it was impossible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and to be fair, to be fair and a little bit nerdy or whatever, um, you know, the DSM and the way we diagnose things, these things are not based on these things are not based on black people. <laughs> these things are not What's based. Up? These things are based on like white men. It's who a lot of these statistics and things are based on and the research that they did was done by white men on white men for white men. And Mm -hmm. that just is what it is. And -hmm. yes, they've adapted some things and they add little paragraphs in there about, oh, make sure you're paying attention to this cultural, whatever the fuck. But (laughs) the DSM is not always speaking to our experiences. So there are lots of things that our depression look like depression everything else whether they say it in this book or not that are like that that black people are experiencing living through and expressing that it's depression yeah and it's so frustrating to that people when people don't have that language yeah to to call it what it is and like be able to to get what they need or you know whatever yeah that's why it's really important that like again Side note, sidebar, if you are going out to seek mental health care, to find somebody that's culturally competent. One of the things I remember when I was newly in the field and it stuck with me, even after I went on, got my master's, became a clinician, all of that, was how many kids, I started off uh, working in defects. Mm-hmm. That was my first job. I had my internship that, that they trapped me y'all. They was like, y'all work here. Afterwards, I will give you $5,000. And I was like, bet, when I sign? I just signed and you get that right away. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, you signed for two years, you'll get 10. Like it was a whole thing. I was like, bet money. Um, it was a good learning experience. But one of the things I really took away from that was I can't tell you the percentage per se, but I will say it definitely felt like 80% of the black boys that I saw in the system immediately diagnosed with oppositional defiant disorder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Immediately. And that's one of those like basically like badass children. Mm-hmm. disorder like that that's what that diagnosis is essentially and then you will talk to these children and you would build relationships with these children and you're like no this is ptsd they mm-hmm. went through very traumatic things and so yep they're fearful and they learn negative coping skills to keep themselves mm-hmm. safe but it worked it kept themselves safe at one point in time how come darren gets oppositional defiant disorder, but little, little Timmy does the same thing. We're like, oh yeah, well, you know, his dad was abusive and I think he's just scared. Darren was scared too. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what's happening there. So just turn that in there that sometimes if you're dealing with people who aren't culturally competent, mm-hmm. you might come in with one thing presenting in a certain way because they already view you in a certain light. They already have certain opinions based on things that have nothing to do with what you're talking about and coming to them with right now and they've already decided what they're going to do mm-hmm. that's not to say dismiss the whole field as a general but try to find someone that speaks your language try to find someone's culturally competent and again I'm, i think it's always important to try to find clinicians that you feel safe with mm-hmm. yeah. going back to high functioning depression and you brought it up uh commercials yeah but speaking of which Again, a lot of times with high functioning depression, it looks very different. It can look like a lot of things. Again, we're used to seeing the extreme of stuff, but there is a flip side to that. There is a side to that. That is a, I'm out with my girls. I am at this birthday party because I promised my friend I was going to be there. I have certain duties that I said I was going to do, and I'm trying my best to come and do these duties. That does not mean the whole time I'm at the club, I am not like zoning off in my head, trying not to break down in front of the birthday girl as she's blowing out her cakes. That does not mean I'm not having an existential crisis as Usher is playing in the background. Mm -hmm. I might be there, I might show up, but yeah, there's gonna be moments where I am zoning out and my friends gonna come to me like, hey girl, you good? I'm like, huh? Yeah, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. That doesn't mean I don't cry on the way home. 
that doesn't mean I don't then disappear for a couple of days, a couple of weeks, a couple of whatever, because I still have duties. It's also like individuals who are parents. I am someone who is a parent who has had depression bouts while still having to parent. Mm -hmm. And it was really big and important to me. Like, I didn't want my daughter seeing me cry. I didn't want that to be a thing. Like, I don't want her sitting on somebody's couch 20 years from now. Like, yeah, you know, just my my mom crying all the time. Like, it was just a thing for me. It was really Mm -hmm. pressed in my head. So it was like, okay. And when baby girl's home, that is smile and face how was your day boo bear i'm gonna put you in a bath i'm gonna rub you your bag i'm still gonna read you a story now she might have went to bed an hour earlier because <laughs> i did not have it in me to stretch that to 8 p.m mm-hmm. um but it doesn't mean for i i stopped doing my duties mm-hmm. even with things like work i was still showing up to work and i still remember and I remember so vividly, every now and then I'm reminded of this. I remember I used to work somewhere where I had to work in the courts and I had a court hearing the day and I was down bad. I was really, really down bad. Um, I got up, went to court. Court was like, I think like 9 a.m. Got to court, did the court thing, walked, then took the shuttle, walked back to my office, just trying to hold it together, got to my office and then like closed my door, went under my desk and cried. And I remember like being under my desk, playing like a little bit of music in my office mm-hmm. and like crying for like an hour or two before getting up, fixing my makeup and being like, oh, okay, now it's time to go back to pretending to be an adult. Mm-hmm. I got up and did my duties. It does not mean that after I did whatever the brave face thing was that I did not break down afterwards. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you shared that because I think that's the experience of a, of a lot of people, you know, still having a, still pushing through, doing the thing. And again, um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought, but yeah, I think it's, yeah, I just yeah. think it's a, I think it's a, I think it's an experience of a lot of people. And again, that's what makes it hard for people to admit, like, or I guess to even see when it's gotten to the point where it's like, I need help. Like, this is it. What I'm doing is not working. Like, whatever the case may be, because we're still like, but, but. Mm-hmm. This it's not that bad. I'm still going to work. It's not that bad. Nobody else is seeming to notice. So you know, I just I'm just having a moment. That that is that was my thing for a minute. It's just I'm just having a moment. I'm just having a moment. I'm just having a moment. It's my fifth one today, but I'm just having a moment. It's fine. And also, I think it's also not to say that it can't get that bad. It's we're talking about like there's like for. There's this high functioning level, but also like, yeah, a, a moment could be a long time, you know, a long time and how, and depending on how long you let things go that I just don't feel like it or who I just dragged myself to work could turn into one day you really not getting up. Yeah. <laughs> one day, you know, you really have missed enough days that yeah, yeah you've lost the job and now it's hard. It's hard to find another one. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I got to sell myself. I got to go out here and market myself mm-hmm. for another job. I don't have them in that. It's high functioning, but also like early warrant or early signs, I guess. Yeah. Because at some point, yeah, people just trudge along and then it's, yeah, it, it could get worse, unfortunately. And yeah, I guess that's what we're talking about. Like also ways to recognize what's going on so you can get the help that you need. Yeah, it doesn't go that far or make the changes that you need. Well, and then also like, and sometimes it do, it might not get to the point for you. You have to understand what it looks like for you because it might not get to the point for you that now, yep, I'm missing so many days of work or so forth. There have been individuals who have ended their life and everybody they know was like, I just saw them yesterday. They were doing fine. They were I didn't notice a single difference. I nope. They were showing up to work. They were showing up to all the gatherings. They were at the cookout. They were at the blah blah blah. You have to understand what it looks like for you because there are people, especially depending on what your trauma looks like, depending on what your personality looks like, that is just going to show up and do the roles assigned to them, do the duties assigned to them, and it does not negate from the fact that this is always like in the back of my mind. I know for me, for a long time, I carried around the idea that um, ending your life was always something I kept in my back pocket. Mm -hmm. 
And for me, I remember talking uh, to my therapist about it and having a conversation. I think this was like 2017 of like, look, I'm not saying I'm going to do it, but it actually makes me feel better to know that I always have that option. And having that conversation with him, he was like, okay. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about how we don't think this is mm -hmm. what it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was just my mindset since I was like 14. Right. Yeah, I thought that was perfectly normal <laughs> yeah, to have like, that. Oh, I've like, got it all figured out. <laughs> like, doesn't everybody have a plan B? They're like, yeah, usually it's living. But for some yeah. reason, you seem to have thought this is a normal plan B. Let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It can also look like, um, oh my gosh. It's so it's, again, the... Putting it this way, I know it sounds crazy, but honestly, being a therapist and being all into other people's brains, mm -hmm. it gives you such an interesting life perspective on people and yourself. Mm -hmm. And so there are things that I recognize in my clients' thoughts of even just maybe not even want to die, but just being like, I don't want to be here. I remember days I used to just wish for just a coma, you know, mm -hmm. I'd be like, I don't want anything extreme I'm not trying to die just can I can it just stop <laughs> I just make it all stop and I could just sleep I remember just having those of just like and I have you know clients who express it now where you know at first it starts off like yeah they they have some suicide but when we really talk they're like I just they just want things to things to end you know and in life, there really isn't this like pause button. And I think so many of us need it anyway. Like we really need space to just figure things out sometimes, especially when it comes to trying to sort out our feelings. Like, am I depressed or does my job suck? Am I miserable or is it like, what's going on? But there's so much coming at us all the time. I think, mm -hmm. you know, it's hard to just, what is this? And it's like, and, and fucking work. I think I just get, <laughs> because it's one of those wheels I guess that keeps turning regardless mm -hmm. of what's going on and it's so frustrating because I really wish that as a society people all could be able to just hit a pause on it mm -hmm. and not have your whole livelihood threatened to keep this damn company making money like I would try I to utilize FMLA so much more please yes I would try to utilize FMLA so much more yes if your company has it, utilize it. Yeah, and don't let them try to tell you you can't. Don't let anybody discourage you from it. If you need it, take it. <laughs> Throw words in there like, well, my lawyer said. I was so quick <laughs> to not know the law and be like, I don't know. When I talk to my lawyer about this, I'm, I'm going to let them CC you. But my lawyer had told me that y'all have to. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> my <laughs> In the back of my it. head, I'm always like, I'm going to hit up Ray when I leave and just. <laughs> just running by him. I, I know some lawyers. I feel like it was good. Enough. Yeah, I know a couple of lawyers. I'm going <laughs> to. But for real, like, but yeah, no, because I hear people being discouraged from that mm -hmm. all the time from using their FMLA. Take the dang time. Like it's there, it's offered. And if you really are in that space where you're just, it's not it going there is making it worse than than if you could just be still yeah. <laughs> um look into it yeah and i know for so many people it is like um i i don't work for joy like i work because i want a certain lifestyle and it allows me to afford to do things i want to do on my time off and if you are one of those people that's great that's great but also recognize when you're not mm -hmm. some of us just aren't some of us just aren't and that's okay recognize that though mm -hmm. because i feel like also sometimes i talk to folks and um there's this idea of like well work is supposed to be miserable and i'm like well i mean it doesn't necessarily have there are some people and i'm not saying like yes every day should be sunshine and joy but like some people like their jobs some people like their jobs. some people like don't hate it at the very mm -hmm. least at the very least i had um i remember when y'all know i talk about this i will leave the job so quick <laughs> i will the minute i figure out a way to i will leave mm -hmm. but i will and um i remember like being at a job 
where I had to convince myself to go in the morning. Like I remember those days of like being in bed, hitting snooze for like the 20th time and just being like, you have to make money. Like what, what, what you gonna do? Like you said, my sick days. I can't even say days. That who, which grandparent did I say is not still alive? Like I was just trying to figure out ways and mm-hmm. having to have that conversation with myself. I'm like, okay, girl, it's time to quit. It's time. It's time to start putting an application somewhere else because you should not have to start setting your alarm at four a.m. so you have enough time to convince yourself to get to work by eight. Mm-hmm. Girl. I, mm. I feel I, <laughs> and again, and so with when it comes to recognizing stuff, so because I had a, you know, instant like that when I the first job I got when I relocated, and mm-hmm. it was, I hated it. I got to the point where I hated it, and I had never really hated a job before. I'd always, for the most part, been someone who liked going to work, mm-hmm. doing doing what I did. But I hated that job, <laughs> and I got to the point, girl. It was hard for me, and I was I was darn near in tears in the morning, like having to get up and go. And I was like, "This ain't it. Like I cannot do this." And so, but I was able to recognize like what was going on, and was like, "Okay, how can I change this? Because I gotta go," mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And I started getting up. I it's funny you say at four to get up to convince yourself. I started getting up at like four thirty. So that I could do other stuff before work. Cause mm-hmm. I felt like if the first thing I do, and I'm still that way, if the first thing I do is get ready to go to work. I don't, that's not how I want to start my day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to do stuff that I want to do first thing in the morning. And so, you know, I set this whole elaborate ass morning routine for myself so I could read because I like to read. Mm-hmm. I was gonna run outside because I like being outside and running. And I was literally doing it for my mental health. And that routine got me to the end of that dang year or at the end of my contract because yeah. lord have mercy <laughs> it, can i say though in hindsight you had a lot of great stories from that job yeah the place was wearing me out and i just yeah I, it just it was a lot but yeah recognizing like hey but also because i had had when you get the experience of like hey this is how notice when you feel okay when you're like this is how this is my equilibrium this is how i am yeah. i feel good you can notice when it's off and it's like, ah, this isn't it. I know this isn't, I know this isn't me. Yeah. I know this is something else going on here. I know I'm off. What do I need to do? How do I get me back on track? Because I know there's something. And just like those things that I mentioned, like me just getting up and getting outside and doing things. Honestly, y'all, the things that that are probably the last thing you want to do when you're feeling depressed, are things that actually end up helping you to feel better yeah, yeah. It is, it's when you like in the pits and someone's like take a walk express gratitude what i kiss my ass girl i don't want to do none of that stuff i'm tired as it is it's there we hear this all the time because people want to come in and they're like just give me the tools just give me the skills and even like a warm bath deep breaths meditation and they be like I kind of found this on Pinterest. So, <laughs> but a big part of it is like, okay, let's do the work through mm-hmm. how we even got here. Why we keep, why we keep having this pattern, this cycle, what is our pattern in our cycle? Now I can give you these tools and so forth. So then we can make changes so we can have other alternatives and things that help us get back to that center, that baseline. Cause a lot of that, those tools are to help you get back to baseline. So you can click think clearly and make a decision to not repeat a negative pattern. Therapy is not a magic wand. A lot of therapy is recognizing patterns. It is. is. And then deciding, consciously deciding, I'm not gonna do that pattern anymore. And what are my other options that I can do? Mm -hmm. And I just wanna say that because sometimes people be like, and now (laughs) I got depression. So you could just pull a rabbit out of your hat. And I'm like, that's not (laughs) No. And the tools now, steps and things, right, is to create a space for you to be calm enough for your mm-hmm. nervous system to chill out so you can think clearly and do what you need to and recognize what's going on around you. Regulating your nervous system mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. a huge, huge part of it. It's such a, I really, 
we don't go into it now. No, because well, I was going to say, like, I really wish that we did pay more attention or talk more about like mind and body connection instead mm-hmm. of like, stop acting like they're two different things. Like, <laughs> there is so much research that shows that what we do to our body does impact our mental health and our mood and all these other things. Yeah. I mean, literally holding a smile on your face can help <laughs> improve your mood. Who knows yep. why, you know, but we've been given these, these, these bodies to work well, I, with. I think about the different um, research that we have on like water and plants. They have done lots of studies where they literally have plants, same plants taken from like, they, what is it called when you populate or you take the, I don't know, mm-hmm. same plants, same everything, put them in water. And then they just like place them. They're like, okay, this plant with the A on it, I'm going to say, I love you to it every day right before I water it. This plan with the B on it, I'm going to say, I hate you every day before I water it. And this plan over here, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just water it. And time after time, research has shown that plants that have the positive affirmations grow more, are healthier, last longer. So do you think the things that you are saying to yourself, the things that you are allowing the people in your life to say to you, do you think those things don't have an effect on you? For real, for real? Yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. And double time on the things that people around you are saying, because at some point, I don't think people recognize like you've adopted these people's voices and you're just mm-hmm. spinning them in your head, even when they're not around. That's not your voice. That is one of my favorite exercises to do as a clinician is the, okay, let's check in on who is your inner critic? Because is that even you? Because a lot of times it's not them. A lot of times, like, yeah, I have a loud inner clinic. No, you just repeated mama's ways. You have a loud memories of mama. That's not even what you think about yourself. That's what mom has told you since she was six. Girl, as a side note, literally, literally. <laughs> and whose voice is that? And she didn't want to say it. She was like, I don't know. I was like, you don't know. We don't mm-hmm. know. Sure. I think you know. And she was like, I don't know. I said, well, I'm, it's your parents' voice. Mm-hmm. Because they have parented you with guilt and shame. And if they weren't your parents, we would call it emotional manipulation. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, you're right. Whose voice is it? That is a good, you know, and yeah, differentiate yourself from those things. That's not you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to talk to you that way. And likely it's not your voice. You didn't wake up and just be like, I'm going to be mean to myself. <laughs> yeah. I don't particularly like myself. Why? Mm-hmm. Who told you not to like yourself? You said you value loyalty and you're a loyal person. You said you value people who do what they say they're going to do and you do what you say you're going to do. So why don't you like you? Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, sometimes that's also partners. Check, check. Yeah, check who you got in your circle. Right. Friends as well, too. Y'all need to have supportive friends. And that's not to say your friends won't tick you off sometimes. Sometimes mm-hmm. they won't let you down. They're humans. That is going to happen. Mm-hmm. But um, me and Ashley have talked about this before. We have amazing friends right now. Mm-hmm. We have great friends in our circle. Mm-hmm. Somebody get a good partner. We are like, yes, <laughs> them for president. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> It's all love and good vibes. All love and good vibes. When people are telling me, like, yeah, I argued with my friend, I'm like, argued? I've never really argued with a friend. Like, really, I haven't. I've had, like, we don't agree on this. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a lot <laughs> of, that's a lot of, hmm, okay. Yeah, Anyways. I ain't going my day. I'm not about to, but I'm not about to sit around and be mad. And we're not about to do, like, it's just, I don't get it. Um yeah yeah y'all y'all please assess your circles and and yeah get some better friends like are you surrounded by shitty humans are you surrounded by people who don't listen to you who belittle you who make you or make you feel like you too much all the time or are using you Mm -hmm. but also check in with yourself on why you want these people to stay in your life because some of us are like we can tell other like, yeah, they did this, this did this thing and this bad thing. And we can recognize that. And then when people try to point it out, we're like, well, no, 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 no. Are you trying to keep these people in your life until you can convince them to love you? Because that's a thing that I'm starting to see a lot of people that are holding on to terrible 
people who are terrible friends, terrible partners, terrible. Um, they know they deserve better. They know, but they are like, if I finally just love them enough, they'll love me. And they're not. You're not going to love them into loving you. Not possible. They're either going to love you or they're not. They're going to do right by you or they're not. Um, coding their hate, their disgust, their their bitterness, their anger, their lack of loyalty. Um, coding that in honey and sugar ain't going to make the wound any less deadly. Sugar and wounds cause infections. And going through stuff like that day in, day out with people close to you, it can drag you down. Mm-hmm. It can drag you down, like truly. And I think, I think we don't like. Mm, I, I've seen a lot of women coming out. And I hate to say women specifically because it does happen to men, but I've I specifically have seen a lot of women go through where they're coming out of these extremely toxic relationships, and it's like they thought they just kind of snapped back or something, or like you know what's wrong with me? And it's mm-hmm. like, well, you spent three years in this type of environment mm-hmm. your nervous system is wrecked like you know whether that comes out looking like depression or anxiety or ptsd or what you spent this extended period of time under these circumstances and yes again like we have like we can it's like the perfect storm it's hard to heal on the battleground you gotta take yourself out the battle you really do. So I think one of the things though that makes it going back to the depression, I think one of the things that makes it really hard to get the help social we need is one, like we said, kind of first we gotta admit it. Mm-hmm. But two, there is still some stigma around it. And I feel like it's particularly with men, there's still some. I feel like a lot of the women we are now being like, oh, I'm doing this, I'm going to therapy. Um, mm-hmm. and the men are coming, y'all. They are coming. <laughs> They're doing great. We're doing some great work in here. I'm getting a lot, a lot of male clients lately. We're doing awesome, awesome work. Okay, so they're coming. But um, there is a lot of still, I think, stigma around it. And there is a lot of kind of belief like, oh, I can fix this by myself. Um, yep, sometimes self-help books are great. Yep, sometimes doing a meditation by ourselves is great. But there's also healing and being heard. There's hmm. also healing and finding a safe place to express ourselves. Sometimes that safe place is with new friends, new partners. Sometimes it's new places, but also sometimes that's in therapy. There's only so much a book can do because also books can't call you out on your stuff. And sometimes we need to be called out on your stuff. Podcasts can't always call you out on their stuff. Sometimes we need to be called out on our stuff. Because sometimes we sit up here and we say, I want to be better. I want to do better. And then we don't do the things that we know will make us better. We hold on to the negative things that are hurting us. And that book is not going to sit there and tell you. We've been doing this for three months now. Hmm. Book not going to say that. (laughs) But heavy on the, it's healing to be heard. Like, I love it. It's so simple because it's, it's, it's so real. Like you, like even to experience saying certain things to someone and them not shrinking away and them being there to, to be there for you again next week. Like there's something about that because people do tend to, you know, say things to their therapy. They would never, and you might think, why is my, me and my homegirl close? <laughs> me and my man close, me and my what? Mm-mm. Yeah, and that's why you not telling them. <laughs> you, that's why you haven't said out loud whatever that thing is. Yeah. And it is helpful to one, get it out, hear it for yourself, but then also be affirmed and validated. Mm-hmm. If that's what needs to happen, you know, like it's be empathized with like it's that is a part of that healing as well. Safety is so important to healing. I need a safe space to heal. I'm even, when you were talking about like, I can talk to my homegirls about, look, half my homegirls are social workers or clinicians in some matter. And and they're great for a lot of topics. (laughs) They're great for a lot of topics. There's certain people I know that if I'm going through a, am I tripping or is this man testing me that I can't call? They'll get us all in trouble. 
Mm-hmm. They don't get everybody's license on the line. There's certain friends I just can't do that with. There are certain friends that I know that if I want to even be softer and vulnerable with, I know that is just not their strong suit. Whole clinicians out here, but because of our dynamic with one another. And you gotta take things like that into consideration. Even if you're like, yeah, my homegirl gives great advice. Okay, this is not even about advice. Therapy is not about advice. It's about having a safe space to explore those things that we need to explore. And I think it's worth giving that a shot. And I know it sounds like it. We're like, hey, we're therapists. So we're gonna promote therapy. Nah. But also, we're therapists who have also been in therapy. Absolutely. Also, I, I, I personally don't believe in ever going to therapists who have never been in therapy. That's just my own personal belief. <laughs> I feel like you, yeah, how can you tell someone to submit to the process and you don't trust the process? Yeah. But yeah, I think that's a big part of it too, is that um, once we get to the fact that we are able to admit like, okay, hmm, this might be depression. This might be, this is more than me having a moment um, is doing the work to get the help. I think a lot of times we try to skirt around the real help, skirt around the real work. And then also, again, I think some of the hard part is and then we kind of touched on it a little bit is we don't want to let some of this stuff go. We mm-hmm. want to heal without changing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For some people, it's that high power job that's killing you. You like, mm-hmm. I, I like how I like making this much money. I like having a popularity that comes with this. I like having the status or it might not even be all that. It might be whatever it is. And you know, when you don't talk about it, they're gonna be like, we, you can't stay here. Not mm-hmm. like this. For some of us, we know it's that person. We know it's that person. You know it's them. Hmm. And you're like, I I will do I will do all the works. We can deep dive into my childhood. <laughs> uh, let me talk to you about my daddy. <laughs> but mm-hmm. we don't wanna let go of that man. We don't wanna let go of that man or that woman. It's the, I want to change, but I don't want to do the work. Or I know this is, I know you're going to take away my favorite toy, even though it hurts me. Let me keep my toy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all of that, let's say we're doing this stuff, we're doing, we're willing to, you know, we're in a point we can admit that this might be what it is. We're willing to get the help. We're now like, okay, I'll make the changes. I'll do the stuff. Um, and after doing the stuff and after doing the changes, I do think it's important that we bring up that for some people, um, talk therapy is not enough. Sometimes depression is situational. Sometimes depression is based on things that are happening in our life, things that we are going through and experiencing. But sometimes it is a biological thing. And talking it through can kind of help a little bit, but it doesn't necessarily get you the relief that you're looking for. And then medication might be the next step and it's brought up. And there's still a lot of people that's very, very resistant against medication. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get it. I definitely get it. I definitely grew up with a father that was like the government decided to cut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very mm-hmm. much had thoughts on the health system in America. I have thoughts as well um but it doesn't negate against the fact that um sometimes that medication is needing it and there is nothing wrong with it if that's what you need to help you get through this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and also i mean yeah sometimes it's that even it's hard to even begin to do the work if you're just not functioning well like mm-hmm. if it's if you're that low or that that deep in depression and that medication helps to get you to a level where you can start to process and work through some things and all that. And it doesn't have to, for everyone, it doesn't have to be always or forever, mm-hmm. but it may be needed to get you to that place of where you can function enough to start doing whatever it is that you need to be to be doing or changing or whatever the case may be, healing from. So yeah. And I love that you brought that up because yeah, sometimes the healing don't ache, don't stick because yeah, yeah, we got a whole bunch of biological just, stuff going on that has yeah. to be dealt with first. We're too, too wrapped up in that. Yeah. To even be able to, cause I've seen people where it's like, oh, I was thinking about cutting myself. Now I realized I was just on my period. I'm like, oh, no, it's not, mm-hmm. not supposed to go that low. <laughs> that mm-hmm. is a dangerous level of low that we don't need you at. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's look at some others, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. because I need you functioning up here so that we can just like, 
get through some things. So yeah. Yeah. I would definitely work with individuals who like again, we were doing all the skill learning, all the processing, all the deep diving. And it wasn't until they got on medication. They were there like, you know, how you told me I can like challenge your thought. I can do that now. I can do that now. Yeah. You know, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Where I can get you can get the information, but I just don't have the ability to perform it to use it because my nervous system mm-hmm. is all the way up here all the way down here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so definitely i think it's something that we do need to have more educational and understand like you might need that and there's no shame in that like as she said you don't have to be on it forever and then also if we are on medication and we are resistant to it please stop taking yourself out medication before talking to your doctors first mm-hmm Depending on the medication you are on, there can be so many side effects that you wouldn't even think of that's related to the way that you decide to go cold turkey when you was on 90 milligrams of blank, blank, blank. And then you just decide, like, I'm going to just stop. And you've been on that for like a year and a half. Um, Medication, you know, we're, we're saying if you need it, definitely consider it. I think it can be a really good thing. I think it's definitely a blessing for a lot a lot of people but also at the same time remember it is still biology you know how in science class biology class you was mixing chemicals and things happen that is what is going on with your body so please talk to your doctor before you start taking yourself off stuff and messing with your biology mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so now that we talked about it, so we able to recognize it we're able to realize what it is we're willing to get the help we're willing to do the changes willing to do the work if we need to make add medication to it willing to have that conversation and consider that now let's talk about some of the things that go back into getting back into your daily life um some of that is also like dating dating with depression um this is a topic i feel like i haven't heard a lot of people touch on and this is something i know i definitely definitely went through the last time i had a really major depressive episode i was actually dating somebody at the time and that was the first time that I was actively like, oh, I had a person and I did not know what to do because usually I had to deal with my depression alone. Usually it would seem people casually, so I can just kind of fall off, whatever, whatever. And they also did not know what to do about it. And I didn't know what to, tools to give them to let them know what to expect or how to best support me in that as well and it was a very difficult time for me and i'm sure it was a difficult time for them they're black right now so i don't i can't ask but i'm sure it was a very difficult time for them as well i think one of the biggest things is one how to let someone know how serious it is i think i did not do a very good job at that i know for me in the particular situation i'm thinking of like i remember being like yeah um i've been feeling really depressed lately so you know i'm just going through stuff and then I was just like oh okay yeah and then that was my conversation and I kind of just expected them to take that and be able to run with it um and they thought that was just one of those casual things that people say like yeah I'm sad that's what they thought I was saying like yeah I've just been sad that's why I haven't been as responsive mm-hmm. and the way that that trickled into and that really really affected us uh it really really affected our relationship because now I have insomnia I'm not sleeping It's now affecting my ability to enjoy things. It's now affecting my ability to tolerate them. It's now affecting how much I can do. And they looked at it as me rejecting them. And I did not explain to them in better terms that like, no, this is just me going. This has nothing to do with you. Sometimes I think when people are going through depressions, it kind of creates this weird area for people on both sides, I think for one, the person who's dating the person of, do I stick it out with this person Mm -hmm. and help them through, but also the level this is now affecting me. Mm -hmm. On the other side of that, for the other person, there is this, how much do I want to reveal to this person without causing them too much concern, without having to go through maybe some things that they don't know about me, I I don't really like talking about, but also can I maintain this relationship? when it's hard for me to take care of myself at this point? And how do I balance between both of those things? I think with that, it's like, and you're, it's also hard for people to kind of know what to do. I mean, in, mm-hmm. in general, a lot of people don't know how to offer people comfort. Also kind of like your point, a lot of us don't know how to articulate what we need at times. 
But when I think about it, it's like, it should be something I think in dating or well, if you're in a relationship or what have you with someone that you can and, and would want to be able to talk about, especially if it's going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say it's going to be, if it, yeah, if it's going to be a thing, like if it's, especially if it's happening, right? If it's happening, it's a thing, but you want to be in a safe space where it is something that can be discussed and not something that seems like you're you're the other person into like a, a frenzy or a shutdown or think you're going to be a burden. But also I think while you were saying, I was trying to think if I've ever dated anyone who like I knew was depressed or who's, Oh yeah. But, but <laughs> I had to think about it. And I was like, I think, cause the, the issue more would come for me with, with dating people at, of like, okay, but you're not doing anything about it. Like I can be here for you and I can do, and I'll listen and I'll, but, but like, are you trying to work on this or is this just this is in some people that I've come across it's like well this is just me now no mm-hmm. no you could you know you could do something different or whatever but again it's harder to even and because kind of like you were talking about like going like riding through it with someone it's harder to ride it through with someone when you're not like committed to them on the front end mm-hmm. you know because even on the back and I think it's hard. No, it's hard. No, it's hard. Mm-hmm. But I think, I guess, because I think about me, I'd be more willing when it's like we're in a, like, we, once we locked in, ain't no switching. I know. Okay. So. I <laughs> so, yeah. But I still. No, got an exit plan. Just know. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> but it was still relationships with exit plans. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> but it would still matter whether or not that person is trying this. Like, I can be I want to be here. It's pathetic here. All this. Ooh, ooh, ah. But also, like, can we try? And I get that it's hard to try when you're in the depths of, you know, but it's, and I think that's the, it's, it's it becomes a tricky thing. It's a, thing. it's a tricky thing. Yeah. I mean, on the flip side, I too have been in a relationship with someone who went through like some depression. And same thing. And I did have to decide to walk away because. It had been a year of like, you're not doing anything though about it. Like, and I'm trying my hardest to give you as many resources. I'm trying my hardest, like, do you want to try therapy? Want to try talking about it? Let's, do you want to exercise? Do you want, do you want me to, you know, we, we, we have to do something though, mm-hmm. besides sink on this ship together. Mm-hmm. I can't keep the ship afloat by myself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's hard because nobody wants to say like I left them because of their depression. It feels like very abandoning. It feels very, um, but also if you've ever been a person in that situation, it also kind of feels like you're abandoned as a partner. Mm -hmm. And at some point it's like, yeah, what can I tolerate? And I always think that's the best way to look at it. Be honest with yourself about what you can tolerate. Yeah. Because it can roll into resentment real quick. That's again, I have been the person on the other side. So I I get it. Mm-hmm. Also, sometimes, you know, going through depression can cause you to make poor decisions and bring people into your life that should not be there. <sighs> yeah. 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 Home to things that you shouldn't because now this person has become your coping skill. <laughs> Can we touch on depression and sex as a coping skill? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is a real thing. That's a real thing. Um, and if you're wondering, like, I don't know if I'm using sex as a coping skill. And when you get mad, the first thing you want to do is have sex and you want to call that person. If you're sad and then you think, well, maybe if I call them, they'll come over. Mm-hmm. If any emotion you have, your false status, maybe if I was just like, Cost by real quick and come over. Probably utilizing it mm-hmm. as a coping skill. Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. Trying to screw your way through things. It's, it's not usually going to help you. But right, you're right. That is such a big. I've. Let, mm, I would say I have always tried to be very cautious about what I tie sex to because I want it to be fun and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I I always tell people I don't do angry sex. I'm not arguing. I'm not having sex with you. I don't like you right now because I don't want it tied to unpleasant things. <laughs> but I also like I remember dating someone where I literally had to say, "Sex is not a coping skill. What are you doing?" And he was like, "Well, now I feel judged." 
well, sir, you just dumped all this depressive information. I mean, like this man dumped like trauma, trauma, sadness, sadness, and then went and got up to go take his clothes off. What? <laughs> what? What is happening here in real time? What is happening? And I'm just supposed to go on with this plan? Like, please <laughs> get some assistance. Um, but yeah, but I, yeah, I myself have entertained things that I would not have if I was in a better state and it has mm -hmm. been interesting. I, like I've looked back at pictures and been like, oh my God, girl, you were so sad. <laughs> what were you doing? You know, trying to, what the fuck were you doing? I don't even fuck. I'm just doing stuff. <laughs> but, <laughs> so doing stuff. I, I don't know, man. I don't know, man. <laughs> Looking for comfort, looking for something. I don't damn I find know. Joy. Right. I find joy. In it. Yeah, I think of that too, especially with um people who like then keep up in the ante in their sex life because mm. it's like I'm not getting joy for it. They're the regular the way I used to. So let me try this. Let me explore that. And let me just explore that. And let me explore that. And then explore, and then it kind of just goes to this level that they are like ashamed to even talk about. Um, and that's not to say. And that's not to kink shame. Yeah. Kinks are great, um, but also fake But there are some people who I mean, die yeah. in that territory because yeah. it's kind of like the drugs, where there's a certain level of I can no longer get high off this hit, so now I have to up it. Mm -hmm. And if you treat sex like a coffee scale, like an addiction, it could have that same effect. Mm -hmm. That might also be a sign of depression. I don't know. Wait, I, so, yeah. <laughs> There are lots of things that don't look like that are like so normalized mm -hmm. in our culture that it's easy for it to not, but it, it is. <laughs> it's easy to get away with it and then not be called depression when it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know somebody who like, I remember the time I realized I was just like, oh, you're depressed. It comes off as anger. It comes off as bitterness. It's just mm -hmm. sad. You don't find joy in things anymore. You think sadness is a weakness, though, so you decided to revert it to aggression. But that's sadness. That's anger. That's depression. Mm -hmm. They can look like a lot of things. That's true. That irritability, too, like that's one of that is a symptom of of depression. Just being irritated all the time and just it's like everything chafes at you. <laughs> mm. So yeah, bear with. What's going on and that? I do want to say though, I do think if you are out here dating and you're somebody who just chronically deals with depression, maybe you have depressive cycles every now and then, every couple of years. You know that's a thing. Uh, I personally think it's always best to when we are dating and we're dating for a serious commitment to be open and honest with the people about it. And for some people, they're like, don't tell. Because then they might not want to commit. Uh, but do you really want to trap somebody? That's not fair. And I don't think you de you deserve a love that you don't have to manipulate. They also deserve to love people that don't manipulate them. Yes. Agreed. Yes. And allow people to make their own decision. And if that decision means that they're not with you, that is okay. You would much rather someone who is ready for the task. Stop trying to convince folks. But yeah, if you're hiding parts of yourself or not, it that's not gonna serve you well in the long run and you're right yeah i feel on the other side of things it feels it's manipulative it's okay it's also okay to admit if you don't think you can handle something you're not in a book that's okay and again that's not to say you gotta tell people on your first date or whatever but i do think no. before you, know, you realize things are getting serious that that would be the time um, to make sure it's something that's known, make sure it's something that's brought up and let them know kind of what that might look like so they know what they're getting into. That might be something that comes up and I just want to make sure that you know that. I don't want to blindside you. This is what it looked like for me in the past. Um, because again, I think sometimes we bring that up and people are just like, yeah, we all get depressed. And then they kind of just move on. And then now you are withdrawing, you are isolating, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. are struggling to get out of bed and they're like what is this i thought you just meant you'd be like sad sometimes and then you like roll up i didn't know you like you gotta go to the therapist now or you gotta do whatever whatever now 
Mm-hmm. Make sure people know what they're getting into. And I think that's fair for both parties. Agreed. So hopefully, guys, this episode has been helpful for you. Our biggest thing is do, like a lot of our episodes, check in with self. Be willing to make those changes to get back to your level of happiness. Living on autopilot does not have to be what quote-unquote adulthood is or what adulthood feels like. There's joy in adulthood. There's happiness in adulthood. No longer finding joy or finding things you're interested in is not supposed to be your new norm. Well, we thank you guys for listening. Be sure to follow us on Instagram. Follow us also on Threads. It's cool. It's popping over there. I actually really like it. And be sure to give us a review wherever you're listening. If you need to reach out to us, you can email us at shewithalchemypodcast at gmail.com. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye.